Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, October 24th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I am what's left of Grace Aki. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into that. We will certainly get into why you are a puddle of your former self, both physically and emotionally. here in a little bit. That'll be at the end of the episode. But before we get into all of the news, I did want to let everybody know that over the weekend, I jumped in and hosted This Week on Broadway, along with Peter Felish and Michael Portantier. We welcomed the great cabaret star Jeff Harnar to discuss his most recent album, uh, in which he covers a ton of Stephen Sondheim songs in there. It's a really fantastic album, so you should listen to that. We also got some reviews of the Kennedy Center's Guys and Dolls, Uh, as well as the Melissa Etheridge show playing off-Broadway. So listen to that in your feeds. Of course, if you want to be a part of This Week on Broadway, whenever it's recorded, usually on Sundays, but sometimes on Saturdays, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. All right, Grace, something that I know you are intimately involved with and I think excited about. We haven't actually discussed the levels of excitement because I don't think you've seen it, but but you might be seeing it coming up here in the next week or so. Last week, it was confirmed that Back to the Future, colon, the musical, will be coming to Broadway uh, in 2023. This is curious to me. It will be playing the Winter Garden Theater. We know that the Music Man is closing there after the first of the year, but Back to the Future will not begin previews until June 30th with an opening night scheduled for October 3rd. Roger Bart and Hugh Coles will be reprising their roles from the original West End production. Roger Bart, of course, is playing Doc Brown, and Hugh Coles is playing George McFly, Marty McFly's father, both in the present and in the past, which it gets confusing, but whatever. You know the movie. uh, It's very good. The casting for Marty and the rest of the company will be announced in the coming months since they still have like nine, (laughs) ten months until the show comes. Um, Right. I'm interested about this. I, I, You are working with the show, so I don't know how much you are, can say or can't say, but I am interested. There's honestly, to be frank with you, Matt, there's a lot I don't know. There's so much stuff that's kept under wraps, to be frank yes. with you, but well, I am, yeah. But my, my question really wasn't about the production, but my, my, my thought was like, okay, Music Man is closing. That probably, as I said at the time of closing, had more to do with Hugh and Sutton being on nine-month contracts rather than full-year contracts. But I am Uh surprised that there is such a huge gap left open in the Winter Garden Theater's timeline. That doesn't necessarily mean that something else is going to go in there. That's a pretty big house to have a limited run. Right. So that's that's often a difficult thing to piece in. So it might just be that they're holding it for Back to the Future, which is a show – as the original Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd, told Roger Bart in the teaser, I yeah. think it's going to be there for a while. So I am interested, I was, though. I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know how you felt about that video. That was my team, and I was pretty proud of it. I thought oh, that was a really it. cool. Yeah, that was a great introduction to the show coming because um, it makes you have all the feels, right? Like you want to see Christopher Lloyd kind of christen it, um, especially being Doc Brown. So, um, yeah, what's what's interesting is I think because of the obvious like special effect nature of the show like i'm not giving anything Mm, away but they're just that just will exist no matter what um i think that they do need that time in the theater so i don't believe i'm not i'm not i'm not like hinting at anything i genuinely believe that there's no way that they couldn't have all that time to prepare for it 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think from the reviews and everybody who's seen it in London, it is a pretty technically impressive show. And if you're going to come into a Broadway house like the Winter Garden, which is one of the bigger houses on Broadway, to kind of make sure that it is retrofitted to a lot of the things that have to happen from an uh, automation and, and technology and flying type of perspective, you would you would probably need time. Seven months seems like a long time to me, but... Uh, you might as well. We've seen houses sit dark for half of a year and, you know, well, not be a problem. So I, it's I don't. It's also timing. Yeah. Like, you know, if you think about it, like, right. So it's going to be done in January. Music Man, right? Well, I wouldn't want to if I were if I were in charge of that show, I would not want to come into the season in the spring because of how packed the new Broadway musical season is at that time before Tony's. Like, I think it's a strategic move as well to open up the next season. Um, really? So, See, I would have yes, gone the other, of I would have gone the other the way. No, yeah. because of the tourism in the summer. Yeah, obviously the tourism is huge, but I mean... It- we, there's a reason that we see shows usually start and try to get that excitement for spring breaks as well. Obviously, from the Tonys, that is obviously a sh- something that we know really tends to help new shows. This might be one of those shows that doesn't need it, um, which might go into that conversation that the name itself, Back to the Future, and what we assume will be really great word of mouth. Maybe they don't need the the Tonys to kind of boost it up in its first few months. Obviously, it'll still be around probably by the time the Tonys of 2024 when it is actually eligible comes. But I just, you know, it's it's an interesting move. It's not something that we normally see. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the the new musicals this season, there aren't a ton of big, at least as of now, big, splashy, over-the-top shows. Uh, there's Anne Juliet. I guess some like it hot might be in that realm, but I don't, I wouldn't really consider that. Yeah, in the there same are a thing. couple movie musicals that are here, right? So you've got almost famous and some like it hot. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of the others. And then you've got, you know, bad Cinderella. Bad Cinderella. Um, so I, I think, I think that those producers probably said, you know what, let's hold and then yeah. open this up later. Oh, well. Yeah. We'll I know. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just an interesting thing. Like we've saw, um, Moulin Rouge do the same thing. They opened in the summer and obviously it is still going pandemic interruptions, not withstanding. So, I mean, it is something that we've seen before. I just, I would have thought with all of the buzz coming out of London that they would have wanted to capitalize as soon as possible and hit that spring break season and then get the Tony love early on. But obviously producers have different ideas on what they want to accomplish with these. So it is not for me to, to question them, although it actually is for me to question them. That's what I do here. Uh, I'm usually wrong, though. So look at six. But um, that'll be interesting. I'm very excited. I know that they have posted casting announcements for this fall for Marty and, uh, and all the other uh, roles. So we will see if and when we get those announcements, if this new timetable or presumably new timetable for the show's opening will change when we find out who those actors will be. All right, um, let's move into some very sad news. Uh, We have learned in the past few days that Tony-nominated Broadway composer Lucy Simon, best known for her work in the iconic Secret Garden musical as well as Dr. Zhivago, passed away last week at the age of 82 from metastatic breast cancer. She is somebody who didn't work a ton in musical theater, but her impact, especially with the secret garden has really resonated for decades and generations of musical theater goers. Something that I did not know 
at the time of her passing, like before her passing, was that she is the sister of the iconic singer-songwriter Carly Simon, which I, I did not realize uh, before she passed away. Um, also, I think it's important to note that the day after Lucy Simon passed away, her sister, opera singer Joanna Simon, passed away as well at the age of 85 due to the effects of thyroid cancer. So really horrible um, a couple days for that family. They, of course, are survived by their sister, Carly, and uh, a large group of, of family members. Um, Grace, I think, as we've talked about before, that um, you have a, a, a deep and abiding fondness for The Secret Garden, correct? Yeah, it's like one of those little magical shows that it's never one that I did as a young person, but it was one that I kind of like aspired to. It's kind of like every little girl is kind of like, I want to do Annie at some point. And then yeah. you do Annie like six times or something. Secret Garden's just so lovely. And um, I think any age person like, I, yeah, I think you saw my post when I was at the Broadway flea of that yeah. gorgeous like Secret Garden jacket. And I just thought, what a magical show. And I know that they're... Um, remounting it again they're you know attempting another mm-hmm. revival i saw daisy egan like posted on her twitter like if anybody needs any coaching i've got you um, <laughs> but uh yeah what a beautiful work and i also really love dr Zhivago. i don't know if you know that um, I, I went not. to see it a couple of times at the broadway theater and i have a giant mug to prove it was it because of paul alexander nolan's uh multiple show-stopping numbers maybe um but i think that her music is stunning and and my heart is just truly with that family right now because that is heartbreak after heartbreak and um i can't imagine so um we continue to adore their works and um listen to their music all the time yeah absolutely um so our thoughts go out to all of them and lucy obviously did a lot more than just writing those two musicals she released three albums along with her with her sister carly as part of the simon sisters back in the 60s she had a number of other things that she worked on with her husband david she actually won a grammy in 1981 for the best recording for children category called in harmony and um, just a, a really kind of incredible life as a songwriter, both in theater, but then also in other places as well. She's actually won two Grammys for In Harmony and then In Harmony Part Two. So just one of those things that kind of hits you. And you, I, I've never been somebody who had a, a huge connection to the Secret Garden, but it was kind of a one of those gut punch moments when you hear that news. So our thoughts are with that whole family. All right, let's talk about what is coming up this week in the theatrical schedule. As we discussed last week, the public theater had to postpone the opening of the off-Broadway revival of A Raisin in the Sun due to some COVID concerns in the production that ate up a few of their preview performances. It will now officially open uh, on Tuesday, October 25th. That, of course, is the latest production of the Lorraine Hansberry show that is being directed by Robert O'Hara and stars Francois Batiste and the iconic and legendary Tanya Pinkins. Um, on th- on Wednesday, that's on Tuesday, on Wednesday, we are getting the official off-Broadway opening for the play Straight Line Crazy, which is starring Rafe Fiennes as Robert Robert Moses, who is the person who really laid out a lot of the New York City infrastructure. It's a new play by David Hare. It originated in London, and it is being uh, presented at The Shed Off-Broadway. It's directed by Nicholas Heitner and Jamie Armitage. That is running through December 18th, and I should mention A Raisin in the Sun is currently scheduled to run through November 13th. I will be there at that last performance if that is, in fact, when they close. Would not be surprised if after opening... 
they announce an extension, as the public often does. Then on Thursday, we start to get into some Broadway stuff as the Broadway production of Gabriel Burns's uh, Walking with Ghosts officially opens at the Music Box Theater. This is up your alley, Grace, as a one-person show. Oh, I'll be there. You're going to be there on opening night? Oh, well, there we go. (laughs) Directed by Lonnie Price. The show originated in London. Um, It is currently scheduled to run through December 30th. Is it just, is this a a work thing that you're going to be there? Or is this a solo show thing that you're going to be there? This is a solo show thing, I hope. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I'm seeing, obviously... A couple of solo shows that are yeah, we'll opening get to the other one. Yeah, We'll get to the other one later. Here, yeah. we'll get to it. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, so also that night, it is the official reopening of the Tony Award-winning Best Revival, Take Me Out. This time, not at the Helen Hayes Theater. This time, at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater. It will return many of the stars from the previous revival that played last year, uh, last season. I mean, I didn't get to see it. See it. My product, my performance when I went uh, was supposed to see it originally was canceled uh, because of COVID. So I'm hoping to be able to get to check it out uh, when I'm in town in December. There is currently no closing date listed. This is uh, apparently an open-ended run. So we'll see how long it actually goes. Um, but it was such a well-loved uh production when it uh, originated in April that I wouldn't be surprised if it ran for a while. Then going to Friday, we have a couple more Broadway shows that are beginning performances. The first, these are ones that one you are working on and one that you, I think, are going to be there as well. Um, The first is And Juliet, which will begin performances on Friday the 28th before an opening night on November 17th at the Stephen Sondheim Theater. We've talked a lot about this. Um, So many great folks in this production, it will be led by Lorna Courtney as Juliet, Melanie LeBaire, who played the nurse uh, in London as well, making her Broadway debut. It'll also feature Stark Sands, Paolo Zott, Betsy Wolf, and many, many more. Grace, you recently did an iHeartRadio event with them that seemed like a ton of fun. All the videos that I've seen seemed like that was yeah. a, a huge success. They got to do, it was kind of cool because I, I don't know a lot of the, like, where those songs fall into the plot of the show, mm-hmm. which I'm really eager to see. But what was interesting was there was a really special moment where Betsy was singing um, the when you want it the most. There's a, like the um, Celine Dion. That's the mm-hmm. way it is. And it was an acoustic version of it between her and Lorna. And it was so beautiful. And apparently it doesn't fall that way in the show. But I oh. was like. I want that also, though. (laughs) It was just so beautiful. Um, It was a really special moment. So that was kind of like an exclusive thing. But um, I'm excited for everybody to hear the way the way especially like Lorna interprets like baby one more time. Like it's so good. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped, especially for the choreography. Like Jennifer, who does the choreography for and Juliet and K-pop is on fire. Like I I just. Yeah, she is incredible. And so the fact that I've been bouncing between those two shows, not as much as her, but, um, you know, through the past like week and a half of like rehearsal and seeing what's changing and stuff, I'm like, if you're not nominated for both, <laughs> like it's yeah. incredible. So that's all I want to say about that. Moving on to, I don't know if you're going to be there on Friday night, but also beginning Broadway performances on Friday night is Mike Birbiglia, The Old Man in the Pool. Are you going to yeah. be at the Vivian Beaumont on Monday, on Friday I'm night? I'm going to be in London, baby. Oh, that's but, right. I forgot. But. but I will be at the show really soon. Um, I'm so excited for him to be packing out the, and we, we might. Broadway radio might have some, 
some cool. moments with some people attached to the show. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm putting that out there because, um, it's in talks, but, um, anyways, if you, um, it's already on like today ticks, like there's so many ways to get tickets to the show right now because Lincoln center is massive yes, and like, um, you know, Mike's shows, like as soon as people start to get word of them, they start to sell out. So make sure that you get your tickets like literally now. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get mine for my December trip probably when we get off this call here. So um, it is beginning performances on Friday. It will open on November 13th and is currently scheduled to run through December 30th. And I do think it's interesting, like not only is the Vivian Beaumont Theater a large venue, even though it doesn't feel like it in there because of the way it's constructed, it is a, for all intents and purposes, a three-quarter thrust. So I think it's an interesting storytelling opportunity that Mike probably doesn't normally get to have in a lot of his theatrical work, whether it's in intimate theaters or on Broadway. Like, it's a different thing to have to play to three sides of uh, of the stage. So uh, I, I'm interested to see how he incorporates that into this show. Then over the weekend, we will have the official opening night uh, off-Broadway for the Classic Stage Company's production of A Man of No Importance. This show has extended recently to December 18th. Grace, you and I will be at what was previously going to be the closing performance uh, in December to see this Aaron's and Flaherty show with a book by Terrence McNally directed by John Doyle and with just an absolute uh, fantastic cast, including Alma Cuervo, uh, Jim Parsons, Mary Beth Peel, A.J. Shively, um, Mar Winningham, and you and I, again, will be reprising yeah. our annual December tradition of seeing Tom Sesma in a show off-Broadway. Not only Tom Sesma, but you and I mean, I have such fond memories now of like us at Classic Stage. And oh, yeah. I I have to say, like me and your good friend, Robbie Rizal just released um, a Stephen Flaherty album this mm-hmm. past week um, for Knoxville. Knoxville. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm really excited to see because he kept, Stephen kept like in our email exchange being like, Oh, and, and I apologize. Like, I'm still in rehearsal. And I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. Matt and I are coming. Like, yes, we'll be there. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be there. Yeah, absolutely thrilled for this one. Um, also, on Sunday, I do want to mention that The Kite Runner will end its Broadway run at the Helen Hayes Theater. So if you need to see that one before it closes, check that out. I will have links to all of these shows that are opening or beginning previews or closing uh, in the show notes if you want to get some more information. All right, Grace, your voice is a little a little fried. Your voice is a little weary yeah. because over the weekend you did something that I honestly you had a packed day. You had a packed had a day. Full day. Okay, give us the full day. There's obviously Sorry, I think yeah. listeners will understand one thing that I am very interested in, but tell us what happened on your Saturday. Yeah, we're getting into your. So what happened was on Friday night, I because let me start. Let me back up, Matt, because our good Take friend B-Way show had it. Thank you. Um, had was gifted tickets from the Kelly Clarkson show when she went oh, of wow. all things to Friday night wicked tickets. Wicked. And she messaged me. Yes. And said, hey, I know you haven't seen this since you were 13 years old. I would love to you to be my plus one. And I was like, oh, my God, free <laughs> wicked tickets. Of yes, course. Hello. Um, so we went, I'm not joking. We were dead center orchestra, like on a Friday night, it was nuts. And there was so much that I had not like, I've listened to the album, obviously, like we all have millions of times, but like actually seeing what people are doing during those songs was like so different. And I was like, huh, never, never remembered that part. Um, so that was really, really magical as we were leaving the Gershwin theater, 
I see because uh, I, I I saw that K-pop had canceled their Friday night performance and I got really scared and I because I was like, what's going on? And I saw my friend Marina, who is a cover in the show, mm-hmm. um, who we've talked about before on the show yep, because of the her Frozen work in Frozen tour. and she's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And um, I saw her with a full beat of makeup and in the alley of Gershwin, like with all the other actors. And I said, hey, girl, what's going on? And she was like, I had a rehearsal today. And I said, because she thought I'm not making my Broadway yeah. debut for like months. If, right, if she goes on at all. Yeah. Is um, she a standby, a swing? What is her official There's title? two swings in the whole show. That's okay. it. And like, she's one of the swings. Yes. Okay. And so the girl that normally covers Moy um, is in the band Artemis. And then so Marina would go into it. And so you basically, I said, I need you. I know you've got a million things on your mind. I need you to text me if you're making your freaking Broadway debut tomorrow. And she was like, okay. I get a text at 10, 15 a.m. I'm on for both shows. I run to Today Takes app. I'm not joking. They were still not doing rush. Ad. I got a ticket yeah. for $35, not an ad, but I just want to say thank you for saving my butt today, ticks, because I like I, I was able to get to see my friend make her Broadway debut. So I ran to I, like there was a post I put up on Instagram. Like I had a bag full of bagels, had a coffee. I was meeting my partner. Like I was like, today is going to be nuts. So from like 11 a.m. to um, I guess uh, 1 a.m., 1, 2 a.m., uh, I was in the city and I ran to the show. She was nuts good. I'm looking across the way. I can see Helen Park fist pumping in the air at Marina's Broadway debut. Like she was like crying and screaming. It was amazing. And um, I talked to the music supervisor as well, who worked with me on Assassins, um, Matt Stein, who is incredible. The sound was incredible. I loved seeing a show in previews that had made changes that were Because you'd seen it before. I saw the second preview and now I've seen it a week later and it was night and day, a different show. Wow. Um, and it was so fun to like, see this different, I want to see it again before it opens. Um, I want to be at opening like, hello. Anyways. So that happened. I go, I meet my friends in Bryant park. Um, after that I had some dinner and I went to your penultimate event, which was Abby to Phillips four months has asked me to watch with her the MTV live taping of Legally Blonde. I mean, I've been asking you for years, but that's fine. Whatever. I'm not. You have. You have. And everyone has. And I was just like, uh, I'll get to it. Like, uh, it's just one of those things that I kept putting on for so long. And I didn't want it to be like, I didn't want to not like it because everyone likes it. And I didn't want to be the one person that didn't like it and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm not joking. We filmed I, I two hours of us <laughs> watching it so that we could edit it down because that is a perfect show. Y- yes. Thank you. Yes, it is perfect. It is a perfect show. It it perfectly encapsulates. I we could have a whole two hour conversation on Broadway Radio. To be frank with you, about why, yes, like lyrically, musically, the function of the storytelling yes. with with the movie adaptation. And this is probably why people think that they can adapt any movie because they nailed it. And I'm like, no, they nailed it. Also because of the women that were behind that storytelling. I'm gonna say that. You know what I mean? Like. Um, Christian Borel, um, as My you God. and I know, um, the irony, and I know that, you know, this, so our listeners yeah. might feel a little like FOMO. I lived that dressing montage, Matt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I cried. I was like, wait, no, 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 no. Um, but it was so good. Richard H. Blake, top to bottom, the cast, I, I, I could it's scream perfect. about this. It, it is a perfect cast. Orfe. And the fact that like Andy Carl's playing like 1 billion people like Oren in freaking Little Shop. Yeah. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, his butt alone. I was just like revive Groundhog Day. But I 
I, I really had a great time. I'm going to probably rewatch it this weekend because I loved it so much and I'm angry and I want it back. I, I know I'm late to the party. I, look, but the bandwagon is the bandwagon is large and we welcome all comers. So I am glad that you, you and I can continue to be friends yeah. because otherwise <laughs> I adored it. No, I absolutely loved it. I'm so I'm so honored and glad that so many people love this show genuinely and honestly and they should. It's yeah. it's it's a great piece of work. Yeah. Bravo. <laughs> All right, that is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. And yes, I will be editing down our reactions so that Matt and everyone else can see them as well. No, 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 no. I don't want the edited version. I want the raw footage. I want to watch the whole thing. Thank you very much. There's some things I got to (laughs) cut. Okay. Okay. All right. Have a wonderful Monday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.